1: coach, we're ready to play. This is the sporting record, and a big thanks to Dinosaur Prize Surprise for finishing off with some Van Morrison, which just sets the great mood here in the studio. My name's John A. Tate. I'm here with M. Collard and James Tate.
2: Yes, the mood is right. The mood is good, John. <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing it.
1: Thank you, Carl. The Van Morrison was beautiful. Yeah, we love it. <laughs>
2: so we've got a blockbuster show for you today in the sporting record a lot has been going on sometimes people say that the summer months or well approaching summer things calm down a bit in the sports world mainly because cricket's the main summer sport and that is itself a slow sport but there's a bit going on
0: wasn't Deep slow
1: bat. the other night
0: no Oof. so we'll, we'll get to that First of all, we, the Sporting Record would like to acknowledge the Woiwurrung Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations as the traditional custodians of the land on which we broadcast this program and on which much of our local sport is played. We'd like to acknowledge Elders past, present and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. We'd also like to acknowledge the incredible contribution of First Nations athletes to this country's sporting life. Well said, Em. So to start off with, we've got some
2: good, uh, more good news. It's a good news train, more good news coming out of the Matildas camp.
0: What do we got? We have indeed. So I'm fresh off the plane from Perth, where last week the Matildas successfully finished their this round of qualifiers for the Olympics in Paris in 2024. Good on them. And... Yeah, Fever, Matilda's Fever in WA in the hometown of Sam Kerr was pretty epic. Yeah, how did it feel? It was feel? a great time. It was really good. One night we went up to the pub to watch uh, them take on um, Chinese Taipei. Mm. And it was great because we we'd there, been there specifically to book in the pub and, and watch. And the cricket was on, so they had to switch it over. And then it was great because <laughs> other people started asking for the game to be switched on and there was this big group of like big table of like blokes who I'd never would have assumed would have been interested in women's sport who were like actively asking like oh put the sound on and they were really getting into it (laughs) so it was delightful. Now, really, really good. You
2: were in Perth as a correspondent for the sporting record. I you?
0: was. I was out there on sporting record duties only, yep. of yep. course. Nothing else. Nothing else. Not yep. enjoying the wines of Margaret River or the beaches of WA.
2: Mm, how could you? No,
0: that would be t- a b- professional, business only. Yes. Um, but so following their success in those, in those three matches, they – we've had an announcement this week that the Matildas have come to an agreement for a a new um, bargaining agreement, a CBA. So this is um, following on from a few weeks ago, we talked about the new AFL and AFLW collective bargaining agreement that was agreed to. So as a recap, a collective bargaining agreement is basically setting the terms and conditions for employees um, it's often between negotiations between potentially a union and employers and it sets things like rates and bonuses and time off, um, maybe certain policies around leave, particularly in yep. sports where athletes are able to get pregnant, having lots of um, support around those types of things. So that's what a collective bargaining agreement and the Matildas just agreed to a new one and um, which could see a pay increase of up to $80,000 per year on top of their club salaries and tournament prize money. So I think this is a really lovely, um, again, it's building, continuing the momentum and recognizing the incredible achievements of the Matildas throughout the World Cup and over the last few years. Like they've, they've been a really like top, tier soccer team international team for for many years now yeah. um and it's nice to see them rewarded so they're actually going to be on the same level pay levels as the as the roos, which yeah. is wonderful to see and also i think a long time coming considering the fact that i think more people are interested in going to see the matildas than they are the socceroos at this point
2: yeah why would you go see the socceroos and get sad when you could see the Matildas and get overjoyed,
0: overjoyed, overjoyed, and see all like the some of the uh, Sam Kerr who was again announced second in the Ballon d'Or, um, which is again like the best footballers yeah. prize. She was she's been in the top ten of that um, competition ever since its inception in 2018. So, so one, of it, her, yeah, one of the Spanish
1: players beat her.
0: Yeah, one of the Spanish players beat her, and the Spanish player had a ripper year, so fair enough. Obviously, would love to see Sam win, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like you get to see some of the best footballers in the world playing for Australia and having a great time, and then you don't really get that with the soccer, really, it? No. Anyway. Now,
1: um, back to the pay thing, so... Uh, are playing for Arsenal or Tottenham or Chelsea, you wouldn't be paid peanuts anyway, would they?
0: I don't think they're getting paid peanuts in that, and maybe I think the that's
1: locals like Courtney Vine, maybe not so
0: much. Yeah, I think that a league well, you know it's it's the reason why the Super League exists. It attracts talent because they do have better pay, but it's still nowhere near the men's, which is extortionate sometimes You'd, exorbitant. Yes. All of the E-words. <laughs> <Yes>. Extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that's why they go over and leave and they do earn a good salary, but it's still, I think, these pay rises, they're separate from their club salaries. It's mm. national duty, it's extra work, and it's in line with men. And the you men's... want it to be
1: equitable with whatever the men are getting paid. Yeah,
0: I think so. And I think also, like, it'll be great To get to a point where we can have that equitable, you know, between male and female athletes. But I think also maybe it would be good to consider at some point that the standard of the men doesn't need to be what the women... Like, maybe it's recognizing that Matildas are a much better team than the Socceroos. Yeah. And being able to reward them further than the Socceroos do because... Great, they're in line with the roos, but the roos don't see as much success as the Matildas do. Yep. So, you know, I think it's like maybe it's, is that the standard that we want to go by? Yep. I don't know. But it is good that they are being, money. you know, unfortunately we live in a capitalist yeah. <laughs> system. But
1: hang on a minute. Just hang on a minute. So you're saying on one hand you want the salaries to be equal –
0: but then you're saying if they're more successful, you want them to be more. Well, I think it's just like, I mean, this goes to a lot of different things, arguments about, um, you know, intersectional feminism. It's like, do we do some, like, is it, is the standard set by men actually what women want to be going, like striving for? Is that, is equality, is that how we want to be treated? Mm. Because sometimes the, the treatment of men is also not good because of also other factors, mm. but is, like it is good that they're getting paid more and getting recognized for their work, but does it is it going far enough? Is there further that we can do? Do we need to have the Socceroos be the benchmark for where the Matildas get paid
1: well i don 't know about that, but that's where bonuses come in you know bonuses for reaching different levels of at the World Cup and things like that so that's
0: where you, that's where you advance ahead yeah, yeah, for sure, but just this is more like food for thought in terms of. Great that we're there and have equity between yeah, the two.
1: Yeah. If the soccer are shit house, well, they don't get the bonuses. So yeah, that.
0: but at the moment they were getting make consistently making more than Matildas, oh, yeah, regardless. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah,
2: and you hinted on you know we are in a capitalist system and we have to work with that, but <laughs> you know the constant uh, rap on women's sport was it's not profitable. Mm. It's not as profitable as the men's. It's not as profitable. And the Matildas have just blown everyone out of the water Mm. with their profitability.
1: And they're bringing in the crowds. They're
2: bringing in the crowds. They're bringing in the merch. They're bringing in the memberships, the sponsors. It's just gone crazy. And this very team has done so much for women's sport and what they've done. So, you know, we're just so proud of them. And also, um, Chloe Dalton, a legend in Mm. the sports sector, and who has the female athlete project? Mm-hmm. Um, I take inspiration from what she said about this, which is I truly believe, this is not a direct quote, I truly believe that getting equality in women's sports will help get equality society wide, you know, mm. as a symbol of what we stand for and what's right and what's good. And I think the symbolic uh, power of the Matildas is just phenomenal, and mm. the CBA is part of that.
1: Well, that touches on the sporting record philosophy, that's, yes. that sport is a reflection of life.
2: Mm. Yes, it is a microcosm. It is a representation. It's a symbol. And sports is politics. Politics is sport. So let's get sporty. <laughs> yes. So well done, M. That's a great story.
1: Now, we don't talk about the Melbourne Cup, and I'm not going to, but did you see Courtney Vine at the Melbourne Cup? I didn't. Oh, no. Check it out on your social media because so, uh, very, um, very
2: fashionable, I'd say. It, it goes back to the… Um, Fashion's on the field. Sorry. The, the strange realisation that you have because we're used to seeing these athletes sweaty, red-faced, yeah. tired. Yeah. You know, I reckon that they look good, but, you know, not in their uh, fashionable thing. And then you see them come onto a, a runway and you think, who is that? Oh, my God, it's Courtney Vine. I mean,
1: especially the girls, because they'll have their hair down, you know, when they're playing. Yeah. The hair's up or tied back or whatever.
2: Mm.
0: So,
1: Fast Thumbs, did you see a, find a photo?
0: I did. I did. I found a photo. I was just trying to find... Um... Oh, okay. Oh, no. Doesn't matter. Oh, no, there we go. It was just the side. Oh, is it? Is it the the hat? Is that yeah, what you're... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Big red hat for Courtney Vine. <laughs> So that's a good news story, but we're going to stay in the soccer world and go to a more difficult topic, and it's something that the Sporting Record hasn't touched on, but now we have a story that we can touch on it, and that is to do with Palestine. Mm. So just to preface that I think the Sporting Record all agrees that what is going on in Paris, Palestine is a travesty, it's disgusting, and to put it simply, self-defense does not include murdering innocent people with gay abandon. Um, and so, some of the people affected are the Palestinian soccer team. Is that right, Em?
0: Yeah. So, in terms of soccer, the uh, men's World Cup qualifiers um, are coming up soon. Okay. And the Palestinian team is is a part of that. In fact, they're scheduled to play friendlies against Australia. So, so they're in the Asian conference? They're in the Asian conference. So it's um yeah i thought this was really important to touch on because i think obviously we're a sporting show but as we just mentioned sport is politics politics is sport because it's inherently it, all teams are made up by people and people are affected by politics yep and in this case they're being directly affected by the genocide that's occurring in palestine um and so originally when on October 9th, the, the Palestine Football Federation have been putting out like various updates over the last couple of weeks about how their team is going to be affected for the World Cup qualifiers. Um, so, initially, one of the first issues on October 9th was getting the team out of Palestine um, Fair enough. so that they could actually go to play these games. Um, and there was a concerted effort to try and get players out of the country, Um back on October 9th, um, there were issues with, like, yeah, obviously the borders are all being shut and, like, Gaza yeah. is being yeah. cut off by yeah. Israel, so players can't get out. No and also players potentially being, you know, if their families being killed, them being killed themselves, it's um, really, like, they horrendous. And I also think... I don't know. Just in terms of, it feels quite a jarring um, issue of like the getting the Palestinian team out so they can play their friendlies or play the World Cup qualifiers. While this is happening, it feels almost like a bit dystopian of like that the team still has to continue on with qualifiers, like (laughs) that they still have to go through this process. That I don't know. It seems like a very um, interesting cross crossroads, I guess, of like people being directly affected in this situation to just carrying on, other countries carrying on with with regular programming, I suppose.
1: Well, we've seen Ukrainian sports people battle on and, where possible, uh, participate in their sport um, in the wider world, which of course is good in one way in that it uh, casts a light on what's happening in their home country and, and garner support so maybe the
0: palestinians will find a way well um as of the Oct- october 27th the last news article from the um football palestine um, preparations are underway as um the team was able to leave the country um due to the intervention of the prince of jordan who serves also serves as the country's football association president so the team will be based in jordan and the team will be training there in the hopes to recover um fitness i suppose is this this is what this article is saying Um, it it will not be their home away from home when they host australia on november 21st Mm. um palestine will instead play australia play against australia in kuwait um so and there's also apparently a friendly against Yemen in Saudi Arabia on November 11th, which is in two days time. So it's, it just feels strange reading this because the yeah. people are obvious, like there are people struggling to get resources and like to survive. And yeah. yet, yeah, it just feels like a very strange parallel and, and, and horrendous situation. And I, I don't know. I feel like it, it's, it's, yeah, I don't yeah, know how but to take...
1: Yeah, it's it. important for us, the sporting record, to mm. keep an eye on how they're going and to report on it. So oh. we will, we'll keep an eye on it. Absolutely.
2: And it goes to show the importance of sport to these people who are just being absolutely... Um, oh, you know, there's, pummeled? there's no words. Pummeled? Yeah, just destroyed, you know, and that there's so much effort for to get the Palestine soccer team out of the country and able to play more games... So it may
1: seem trivial, but then again, perhaps it's just a, a ray of light which can bring a little hope to people. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean that was the Scott Morrison uh, classic where he go, oh, let's just uh, forget about the bushfires and watch the boys." And watch play the boys, and of, yeah. You know, like let, let's hope. I think he, what he said was, um, "Let's hope." Uh, Something about the cricketers giving spirits to the firefighters or something. Oh, Give okay. them something to
0: cheer about. Oh, right. you know? Yeah, something. Yeah, rather than actually. clumsy, that's, isn't he? That's the dark
2: side of it. So you have to be careful not for sport to overtake the fact that, you know, you know we've got to get everyone out, you know, yeah. or, or get everyone to stop the ceasefire. But this is not the first time Palestine and soccer has been in the media. Um, think back to the World Cup in 2022 in Qatar. Uh, When Morocco defeated Spain in a huge upset Mm -hmm. after the game, they all took a photo with the Palestine flag on Mm. the field and chanting, Free Palestine. And there are examples of English fans as well at Mm. the World Cup chanting, Free Palestine. So the soccer world is behind Palestine for the most part, I believe. Mm. And that's a really good ray of light as well. Yeah, We're not going to let this go.
0: It will, and we'll keep following them and. any other um, Palestinian, you know, um, sports people along their way. I mean, also, it could be life savings for, for a lot of those people being taken out and being able to, like, just physically not present to, mm. you know, and that's incredible within itself that they've been, have the opportunity to get out, I suppose. Well, we don't and maybe begrudge
1: they're... anyone getting out to safety.
0: Yeah, yeah, but... Um, yeah, I just, I have no idea how they're going to, like, I'm just really, I don't know what the right words are in terms of feeling for them. Like, I I imagine they've left their own families behind yeah. and that, I don't know, you know, it's such an impossible situation and I mm. feel like I can't imagine what they're going through. But I, um, yeah, we'll keep following them and we'll be keeping in solidarity with Palestine as this Continues.
2: Yes, well said. So we'll go to a few announcements now, and then when we get back, a small story on surfing, courtesy of John, Mm. and then we're going to get into AFLW Finals Fever. Public transport's great. What's not great is that unless you've got a radio with you, you can't listen to 3CR when you're on it. Until now. The Community Radio Plus app lets you listen to us wherever you are. Get on board and search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps.
0: Uncover the depths of human connection and power in the new opera by Evan Lawson and Nicole Butcher, The Sea. This visceral exploration of love, lust, and the corrupting influence of power in relationships washes over you in this extraordinary collaboration between Forest Collective and BK Opera. The Sea plays from the 7th until the 10th of December at Abbotsford Convent. Tickets available from forestcollective.com.au. Forest Collective is a 3CR supporter. Wildlife
1: Victoria is a non-profit wildlife emergency response service dedicated to helping wildlife in need across Victoria. Our volunteers rescue and rehabilitate sick, injured and orphaned wildlife. If you see wildlife that may need our help on the road, in your backyard or in the bush, please contact us immediately on 8400 7300. That's 8400 7300. To donate or to become a volunteer, visit wildlifevictoria.org.au a 3CR supporter.
0: If everybody had a ocean Across the USA Then everybody be served Like California you see them wearing their baggies Warrachi sandals too A bushy, bushy blonde hair USA. You'll at Inside,
1: they'll be surfing at Narrabeen, and they'll be surfing at uh, North Shore, which is where the big waves are in Hawaii. And that's where my story comes from today. It's a good news story. Another Australian doing well on the World uh, Sporting uh, uh, Spectre. And um, uh, this person's just got into the Guinness World Records. Ooh. Ooh. For having ridden uh, Her her name is uh, Laura Enova. And she's from North Narrabeen Surf Club As a matter of fact But she was surfing at Hawaii At North Shore It's in uh, Oahu On the island of Oahu And obviously it's north And that's where the big, big Mm. monster waves come in Scary Uh, Scary, Anyway, she just paddled into a wave No jet skis or anything She just paddled in Paddled? Yeah and took on this wave, monster wave, and turns out she's got the Guinness World Record now for the largest wave ridden by a female surfer who has paddled into the wave rather than being towed in Whoa. by How, a jet ski. How big was it? Must- it was... Now, this is America, so it's feet, right? Yeah. So it was uh, 43.6 feet, this wave. Uh, the previous record was 42 feet. That's 13 metres. Correct, 13.3 metres. Yeah. Uh, it's been compared to a, a four story building. Oh, God. <laughs> That's horrifying. Or one giraffe on top of another giraffe.
0: Two giraffes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Which is a bit That's, silly. That feels a, a little less scary. Anyway, there's a photo. Oh. I'll
1: show in the photo. Oh. You can see in the photo, it's a huge wave, and then there's a little ant on a surfboard riding in front of the wave. That- she does look like an ant. But that little ant on the surfboard.
0: I can't believe she paddled
1: into that. An Australian uh, surfer.
2: What was her name again? Uh, uh, Laura Anover.: Laura Anover, Remember that name because that's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah.
1: So there you go. It's a good news story. An Australian doing well on the international scene.
2: Well done. So now, without further ado, it's time for AFLW Finals Fever. Yeah. Woo-hoo. So the AFL Finals W are on this weekend... So we've got four games, Adelaide versus Brisbane. That's 1v4 down at Norwood Oval. We've got Gold Coast v Sydney down at Heritage Bank Stadium, which is in the Gold Coast, John. That's okay. five against eighth. Thanks for telling me that. We've got Geelong and Essendon, which we'll be watching very closely as Essendon mm-hmm. fans. A
1: GMHBA
2: or whatever it's called, stadium. Yep, yep. which is Cadinia Park in Geelong that's six versus seven. And then we've got Melbourne v. Kangaroos. uh, That's second v. three at Icon Park. So that's one that everyone can get down to. Mm -hmm. Now, Melbourne v. Kangaroos, I would strongly recommend everybody, if you're interested in sport, try and get down to that because both of those teams are absolutely firing. And the Kangaroos have a player who may just be working their way towards greatest
0: of all time status. Do you know who that is? Well to be honest I think I've got 3 people that have come to mind. Oh. But to be this season though, uh Jasmine Garner has yes. been having an absolute unreal season. That's the one.
2: And North Melbourne champion Jasmine Garner has mm. just been crowned the AFLW's best player by the league's coaches for the second year in a row, which makes her a three-time winner and no one has ever won this award multiple times well,
1: i have a lot of respect for the coaches awards because the yes. coaches know yep. what they're looking for in a player yes right it doesn't Absolutely. have to be a midfielder. it doesn't have to be the most possessions it's the the player who does their job the best
2: yes so when we're talking about the greatest of all time of course daisy pierce comes to mind in terms of legacy mm. Aaron phillips comes to mind in terms of just Accolades. sheer ability yeah you know just it. Aaron Phillips is akin to the Wayne Careys of the world, where it's just like when you watch him play, you just think, Whoa.
1: This person's level above yeah, yeah. so people are around more,
2: her. There are a lot of people with more accolades than an Aaron Phillips, but Aaron Phillips was a gun, which we'll talk about soon because Aaron Phillips retired. Mm. But just to recap the, that award, um, Garner finished the home and away season with 81 votes in the AFL Coaches Association Champion Player Award, which is a mouthful. Seven votes ahead of Sydney's Laura Gardner, numbers, who finished on seventy-four, and well clear of Brisbane's Ali Anderson, who finished third on sixty-five votes. So Garner won in twenty 2020 twenty, and twenty twenty-two, and now twenty twenty-three. And like I said, only multiple winner of the award, and she's gone from strength to
0: strength. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So. What's the name, Jasmine Garner, potential GOAT status? How about that?
0: Yeah, I reckon that's a good call. That's a great call. And, you know, Ashradell has been putting together some sort of season yeah. as well. like In terms of disposals and, like, just incredible. And I think if, you know, if her teammate wasn't Jasmine Garner, we'd probably be having a similar conversation about her. But she just happens to be on the same team yeah. as someone who's just absolutely a level above.
2: So the Kangaroos are stacked, and they mm. finish third. Um, the way I see it, it's a three-team race between Adelaide, Melbourne, and the Kangaroos. So just... Come ol-
1: right off the Gold Coast. I watched them play Essendon a week ago, and they were very, very skilled and polished.
2: I reckon when the pressure comes on, the cream always rises to the top, and I reckon Gold Coast just doesn't have enough compared to Melbourne, Kangaroos, or Adelaide.
0: The other... You know, for your consideration, <laughs> uh, the grand finalists last year, Brisbane, also just beat Melbourne quite considerably at home in the last round. Wow. So, look, there's not much, like, it, it'll be interesting to see how those two progress and if they end up coming against each other. I think Melbourne are probably, both Melbourne, North Melbourne, Adelaide are just, like, used to that really, like, you know, finals pressure, particularly Melbourne and Adelaide. I think I agree that they'll be hard to beat. But, you know, Brisbane are tenacious and I think they want to get one back for last year because they they let that slip, I think. Yeah, they did. Yeah, And
2: they've lost a few players from last year who are important. So, you know, when the... Because finals footy is different from regular footy. Yeah, it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different beast. And that's it's really, you know, you're in the furnace and whoever... Works, works, whoever doesn't, doesn't. Who do you think's going to win it, John?
1: Uh, well, I'll stick my neck out and say Gold Coast. I like what I saw. Oh. That. And that was without Charlie Robottom, who's probably the best player. Yep, that's you know? true.
0: That's true. What about you, Jimmy?
2: Well, uh, my head says Adelaide. Yep. But my heart says Kangaroos.
0: Ah. I
2: think with Jasmine Garner in the form that she's in and some of the other players who are in ripping form and also the idea of Kangaroos... Needing a win as a club, their men's team has just been shit house for a
1: long long. time. Can I, before we finish, can I just apologise to the Afghanistan cricket team, who really, really should have beaten us the other night? They were all over us, really, except for one player. (laughs) So we'll we'll
2: finish on that. Glenn Maxwell just hit the greatest double century in one-day international cricket history. We don't have time to go through it, but basically he was cramping non-stop in a world of hurt and he still took him to the sword and dragged and Australia across the Australia
0: line. Australia were in trouble at seven for 90, I think, um, and he came in and... But we were in trouble because Afghanistan bowlers were, they were really amazing.
1: good. Yeah. They got out by good balls. Anyway, isn't,
2: that's it, a- isn't it wonderful for the world that a team like Afghanistan that's done had such a tough time in their country
0: taking countries like Australia to the sword in World Cup cricket. And they are progressing in the World Cup, and England have already been knocked out, so that's nice.
2: Cop that, England, you dogs. (laughs) So this has been The Sporting Record. You can catch us every week at 4 p.m. And as we always say, stay sporty, everybody. Have a good week.